This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. This is a Matty Ice Media Network production. If you want to connect with the show on Instagram, the handle is Soulfully Casual Podcast. On Twitter, it is at Matty Ice Media. And of course, on Instagram, it's Matty Ice Media 21. Uh, if you're looking for any of our podcasts, check it out on www.mattyicemedia.com. This is a monumental day. This is the 100th episode of the Soulfully Casual Podcast. It's really difficult to think about that because I can't believe this much time has passed. When I did 50 episodes, it felt like a true milestone. And it's not as if 100 doesn't feel like a true milestone, but I felt like I had to do something special. And so I had an interview with somebody who I cherish dearly in this life, who is like another mother to me, and that's Miss Joyce. And if you've never checked that out, it's episode 50. Check it out wherever you find your podcast. But I was thinking about, do I want to do something special for the 100th episode? And you know, I thought about it. And while 100 is a significant number in many ways, it's a number that sticks out. And, you know, when we talk about 100 years of something or a top 100 list or something like that, it's generally something that we focus on. It's a number that's divisible by 10 that we focus on. But when I thought about it for this show, I talked about the direction of the show and how I wanted some things to change and how I was really concerned or not concerned, but I guess confused about what the direction of the show would be like. And if I would even continue doing the show after the death of my mom, and I realized that I wanted to do it, and that it was something that was fun, it started this whole journey for me. And I realized, you know what, the 100th episode is going to be recognized, but it's just going to be part of the journey. And I think starting with episode 101, we might do some rebranding, a new song, and maybe even, uh, you know, think about having some guests and so forth. But it's just as amazing that this time has happened. It's amazing that I've been able to do this. It's amazing that I've had people listen to this show, and it's even beginning to get some traction in other places these days. I think the the tone that I've taken recently about the death of my mom, obviously, a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, but I wanted to get some, some fun stuff. And last week, I talked about fall and how much I enjoyed it and how much I enjoyed comfort foods. Well, one thing I've not really talked about all that often on this show is that one of my other great passions in life is music. Growing up, I got a taste of music very early from my parents. My parents were both very musical people, and I don't mean that in the sense that they were playing musical instruments. I mean that in the sense that they were always listening to music, and I got a lot of exposure of different types of music from my parents. Probably more so from my mom than necessarily my dad, and as my dad has gotten older, he has stopped listening to a lot of different types of music and really only listens to stuff from like the 60s or the 50s and 60s when he was younger. Uh, it's interesting how that's happened. But with my mom and it, my dad, while I was growing up, classic rock was huge. And so I picked up on a lot of the classics there, uh, you know, through the friends that I met, through the influences that I had. You know, my musical directions and tastes changed over time. And now at age 40, I find myself being able to listen to so many different types of music. I associate so many memories in my life with music. And I am always able to, I guess I should say that I have this uncanny ability to be able to take musical lyrics and apply them to whatever situation it is that I am in. I can come up with some type of a jingle based off of a famous song or something like that. And it's all very situational. For instance, uh, when my son was first born and you know during the newborn phase, babies generally tend to eat their hands a lot. They start getting teeth and they're just looking to chew on anything. They generally start to eat their hand. And so I had created a jingle from uh, Hall & Oates' song, Man Eater. And I would say, you know, he's a hand eater. And it kind of became a family thing that stuck and we thought it was so much fun. And that's the kind of thing that I love to do. 
I'm always listening to music. I'm always seeking out music and not just music from my past, but new stuff. Uh, it's always interesting to be in tap with what is coming up in the future and not necessarily always stuck with what you've always known. I think that that is a microcosm for life in general. But the month of October is when we start what I call like the festive season, or it's I guess the holiday season. But holiday has the excuse me, October has turned into what we call Halloween month or spooky season. And what comes along with that? Well, there's a lot of themed items. So you generally have themed movies, themed songs, themed uh, you know foods, right? There's so many things that go along with Halloween and the idea of being scared, I guess. The idea of fright, the idea of thrill. And I thought that it would be fun that every week I would do something related to Halloween. And I wanted to start with music. When I was a kid, this was in the late 80s sometime, Disney had a Halloween special every year, and one year I specifically remember because I can actually remember watching the VHS tape of it that was taped off television, having to use tracking because it was taped off television. But I believe it was called Monster Hits, and Disney had put together music videos to famous songs uh, back in the day that sort of denoted Halloween, and they put it to their own uh, cartoons and so forth. And that got me to thinking recently about songs that are used around this time or songs that denote Halloween. And what I find myself realizing is that so many songs that are specifically used because they denote Halloween are generally pigeonholed into this area needlessly. And so I wanted to give you my top five songs that are objectively good but are, and that are better than just being played at Halloween. The first song that comes to mind is the obvious low-hanging fruit song, and that's Michael Jackson's Thriller. Every single year on Halloween, I get more and more upset, and maybe this is the get-off-my-lawn portion of my life coming up, but where they play Thriller on Halloween, and they associate it with just being a Halloween song. I can understand that the subject matter of the song certainly uh, lends itself to being a very convenient song to use for Halloween. But that is an objectively great song on an objectively great album. Michael Jackson's Thriller album is one of the greatest albums of all time. And I don't mean that in terms of just album sales or popularity, but in musical writing in general. There's so many callbacks to former genres uh, in time. Uh, and there's just a great beat to a lot of the songs. I mean, you can listen to that album today and it still feels relevant. It doesn't feel dated like a lot of older music does. And so it pains me every year because they always play Thriller like as if it only exists to be played at Halloween. And I find myself screaming, play it all year round. That song should be blasted whenever it is on. The big band horns, the bass line behind it, right? The Vincent Price voiceovers, like it is just a wonderful piece of art. And it lends itself, yes, to a lot of scary and spooky things for sure. But there's so much more objectively great about it. And that's really the thing that spurns this list. And that's why it comes in first, because it's the direct example of a song that is objectively great that needs to be recognized more than just Halloween. And perhaps these other songs on this list aren't pigeonholed quite in that way. But obviously, uh, you know, I want to point out objectively great songs, but that you can associate with Halloween or spooky season, as they call it. And Michael Jackson's Thriller is one of them. It's a, a song my son loves. And so I play it a lot throughout the year because I want to make sure that I'm giving it the uh, the props that it deserves for being the objectively great song that it is. Another one that is 
very much associated with Michael Jackson is Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me. Uh, the voice of the, the lead singer in that group does sound a lot like Michael Jackson. It does have a very Michael Jackson flair to it. But there is something about it, the lyrics to it, uh, that are creepy. But if you really listen to the song, it's not really about Halloween or being scared or having some type of a stalker. It's really about being watched by quote unquote the man, right? I'm an ordinary person it talks about. And I find that song to be very, very apropos this time of year because many of the traditional Halloween movies, and that's another thing that we will get into in a future episode, revolve around killers stalking their prey. All of those classic 80s and 90s slasher movies, you know, you see the the villains ironically running away or making really stupid decision that that has lended itself to some really funny commercials i think it's a geico commercial where they basically play into all of the classic tropes of a of a horror movie or a slasher movie from back in the day and somebody's watching me kind of always fits that like if you think about playing that at a halloween party or having that playing on your front porch as kids are coming to uh you know your front porch for candy and, and trick-or-treating it does kind of work out. And one thing I didn't say at the top of this is that I generally tended to stay away from songs that were very obviously written for Halloween. And I think about like the Monster Mash, for instance. While that is a great callback song from a, a prior time in music, and it certainly has a lot of classical elements in it from that time period, like in the 50s, it's not a song that I think of here because I would only ever play that at, at, at Halloween. But this song, if you were looking to make like a a mixtape to really really date myself uh, this would be one here and I really just enjoy this song uh, mainly because I think it has a great beat but I think it also works for that spooky element and again the Michael Jackson element really comes into play here uh, you know Michael Jackson started a lot of what we look at now as mainstream pop music they call them the king of pop for a reason and to be the king of pop like pop music today has turned into something different than what it once was Right? Pop music exists now for the one-hit wonder, where pop music back in the day really was all-encompassing. It wasn't just trying to hit that one-hit wonder or those album sales. It really spoke to a lot of different genres. Like if you listen to Michael Jackson's work from the 80s, lots of guitar solos, great drums, great bass lines. Like there's a lot of instrumental tracks in there that are objectively good. And I think about Billie Jean. Uh, with that intro bass line like that's iconic that's almost as iconic as another one bites the dust from queen so i got a little bit off topic there but um you know that that's a great song for halloween and it's one that i always think of around this time of year uh, another one that is another objectively great song with an objectively amazing bass line is superstition by stevie wonder so this has a lot of like funk elements to it it certainly has i don't want to say like r&b necessarily but it very clearly stands out to me as a well-written song. The drum track is really is really good. I don't know if you've ever seen that video of Stevie Wonder on YouTube playing the drums. And yes, we know he's blind, or at least we think that he is. I know there's been some questions about that jokingly, I think. But Stevie Wonder wrote some great music back in the day. Um, obviously a great voice, had a great knack for writing music. And Superstition really stands out to me as a song that fits that mold. And why does superstition denote Halloween? Well, a lot of people denote superstition with things like bad luck. And we denote spookiness in Halloween with bad things happening for the most part. Being scared is not something we genuinely enjoy. It's not something that's an objectively great thing to go through. We don't like to be scared. A lot of people stay away from Halloween uh, because they don't like the idea of being scared or being in suspense. 
And that's really what a lot of what Halloween is about. But superstitions are things that are really associated with it, like black cats. Uh, we think of black cats at Halloween time. For some reason, that poor black cat seems to be uh, seen with something bad, with witches and things like that. Superstitions come around with ghosts as well. I can tell you that my wife and her mom uh, firmly believe in ghosts. They believe that ghosts are real and that there are things that happen in certain homes that are directly correlated with the presence of a ghost. Like for instance, when we were at her grandfather's house before he passed away a few years back, uh, they would say that those back rooms were haunted, right? They would say that you know, their grandmother who had passed away years prior uh, was back there doing some stuff and that there had been ghosts in that house long before her grandparents ever lived there. Um, and I've experienced a few things in my life that could be chalked up to that, but I don't necessarily believe in that the same way. But superstitions generally are uh, a concept of avoiding certain things because they bring upon bad juju or bad luck. So an in, uh, in example of that is my wife does not put shoes on a table, not just new shoes, but shoes in general. Uh, she believes that shoes being on a tabletop of any kind is bringing some type of bad luck. And that's similar to a broken mirror, walking under a ladder. And that's why I think superstition works because superstition is very much associated with bad things, which is what Halloween is associated with. And so I think this song actually works because you can put it to some scary stuff that happens even in some of these movies or music videos played at a party again. And it's a really catchy song that also kind of captures the vibe of what this month is all about. Uh, we're going to move genres a little bit. So the first two have been sort of like pop or, you know, sort of, um, I don't want to say like an urban feel to them, but Bad Moon Rising by Credence Clearwater Revival. Now, this is a classic band from a classic rock era that I absolutely love. Uh, classic rock is something to me that is debatable. These days, music stations take liberties at what they feel is classic rock. And there's really two categories here. There's really the people that feel as if classic rock is something that is 20 years or more older. And then there's those of us like myself, and I think that this is probably more of an older school mentality, and I think it probably depends on when you grew up and the type of exposure you had to classic rock in general. But I think of classic rock as like 60s and 70s rock, more 70s than anything. Anything that's related to like Vietnam period. Uh, there's so many songs that come to mind, right? Jimi Hendrix. Uh, you could you could go on and on, but TCR was definitely one of those bands in that time period that had a ton of you know classic rock sounds, and they were more like a southern classic rock sound, so to speak, or at least in my mind that they were. Uh, but my parents used to listen to all that stuff: your Led Zeppelins, Jimi Hendrix, like I said. I don't know. Like you go to Apple Music, and this is not necessarily a uh, you know plug for Apple Music, but any music service in general, and you type in classic rock, and I think you know what you're going to get. When you go to those playlists, you don't see songs like Nirvana, for instance, or Green Day or Pearl Jam. And these days, when I'm traveling around the District of Columbia area, uh, when I listen to the classic rock station and I hear songs that are from the 90s, that are specifically from the grunge era, and I don't agree with that assessment. I feel as if classic rock is a specific time period in music, and we need to figure out how best to uh, you know, denote these songs that are 20 years old. Because if classic rock is classic rock and songs that are 20 years old are classic rock, then what are oldies these days? Because oldies used to be from the 50s and 60s and further back. So what becomes an oldie now? Like is Led Zeppelin considered the oldies? I don't think so because there's so many influences that you see today or hear today, I should say, like Greta Van Fleet, for instance. So 
Bad Moon Rising really makes me think about it because a lot of people associate a full moon with werewolves and other bad things like weird things happen when there's a full moon right and if you think about like when weird things start happening in your neighborhood or weird things start happening in the news and you're like is it a full moon and so bad moon rising makes me think of that full moon full moon and it makes me think about the superstitions to lend back to the previous song that people associate with a full moon and so that's one of the reasons why that song has always been there and i think it's more of a chipper sounding song but boy uh, it really lends itself to some of those uh, moon-related Halloween spooky ideas. So the last song is actually another classic rock song, but it's one of my favorite classic rock songs, and that is uh, Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. Obviously, the idea of the Grim Reaper lends itself to Halloween. You see the Grim Reaper in what is more like a, a colloquial form, and colloquial is really for words, but I think you understand what I mean. It's more like a commonplace view of the Grim Reaper cloaked in black with a sickle, right? Death coming to your door and all that stuff. And again, all these things are related because if you believe in that sort of thing, you believe in superstition. The Grim Reaper kind of falls in the superstition category, but the Grim Reaper also falls in the Halloween territory as well. So why did I pick this song? Well, obviously this song with its, uh, you know, denote of the Reaper, it's talking about don't fear the Reaper as in like live your life to the fullest, right? Don't live your life scared, hermetically sealed in a box, because eventually death is going to come to us all. And if you live your life constantly fearing death, and maybe that does relate itself to today's pandemic, where people are petrified of the the disease, even though they have a vaccine that is protecting them from it. And that's not what this episode is about, but it just dawned on me thinking about it. But don't fear the reaper. Uh, the famous use of this song that I can think of in a television show that I love was Six Feet Under. Uh, the One of the main characters in that show, Nate, had found out he had brain cancer, but he hadn't told anybody yet, or he had like a brain tumor or something like that. And there was a funeral in that show of a biker, and the family member of that biker had gifted him that deceased biker's bike, and Nate was riding the bicycle in the mountains of California somewhere, and that song was playing in the background, and it was a perfect backdrop for that because, hey... Live life to the fullest. Do things you never thought you would be able to do because we only get one life. That has come full circle for me these days, obviously with the death of my mom, you know, most recently. And while, you know, I'm obviously in a better place with that, a life is very short. We don't realize how short it is. Just this morning, news crossed the bow at work about a uh, beloved team member who was an active part of the work that we were doing right now, who had been an active part of the organization that I work with for many years, uh, somebody who was still working. This is not somebody who had retired and had been gone from the agency. Uh, that person passed away suddenly early this morning from an undisclosed disease that they had been battling. And I would assume it's cancer, but I don't know. And that's what I think that song speaks to. And while the Grim Reaper is himself a symbol of Halloween, it's a symbol of spookiness, and death coming to your door and all that stuff. Uh, the song really is talking about living your life to the fullest and not fearing the Reaper. It's an objectively great song with some great guitar work, a great driving riff. Like It does feel like a song that I should be driving to. I don't necessarily like the part in the middle that slows down, uh, changes pace a little bit too much, but I do really love the song and the idea behind it. So those are the five songs that I can think of that really denote Halloween. If there's an honorable mention to be had, I think it's obviously uh, Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London. Um, it's not my favorite song. It's not a song that I particularly like, but it's obvious. It's low-hanging fruit again. 
Uh, I don't know if it's a song that gets played a lot around Halloween these days because Warren Zevon was obviously from you know, an earlier time, more like a classic rock sound. It's, it's an album that I remember my dad having. And, um, you know, it's just not a song that I particularly like, but that's kind of an honorable mention. Uh, are there any songs that speak to you when it comes to this time of year? And again, I'm talking about non-specific Halloween songs, but songs that you can listen to all year long, but that are perfect for this time of year that maybe get pigeonholed into this time of year. Halloween is very, very fun. I've embraced it a lot more as I've gotten older, surprisingly. I mean, obviously, as a kid, you love dressing up because you love getting candy. Uh, but we started decorating for Halloween this year. You know, my son is going to get older to where he's going to go trick-or-treating. And obviously, that'll be a lot of fun. But I love seeing the people who decorate their houses. Now, I will tell you that I do have a little bit of an aversion to Halloween decorations. Uh, some of them really creep me out, like really creep me out. But I'm getting better about it. The music helps. I try to think about the music that I associate with Halloween, and if I feel like something creeps me out, I remember that, hey, these songs are badass all year round, so uh, that's what I lean on. But if you want to connect with me to uh, talk about Halloween songs, at Media on Twitter is the best way. I'm very, very active there. Of course, Soulfully Casual Podcast on Instagram uh, is another way to go about it. I love to hear from you. Uh, check out our other podcasts on MattyIceMedia.com, and you can find subscribe links there. Uh, subscribe rate review those are the actions that i'm hoping for from you it means a lot i want to know what's working what's not working because we just hit 100 episodes and i'm hopeful that there is another 100 more so i'm hoping that next week we can start of start fresh a little bit um and, and really forge a new path for this show i look forward to the new uh, the new look for the show again soulfully casual the whole point is casual pure authentic conversation and that's what I've always, always strived for. And I hope to have more voices on here. So if you're interested, hit me up at any of those communication avenues. I'd love to hear from you. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Hug your loved ones. Enjoy yourself. This weather hopefully is going to get better and better. And I will talk to you as always next week. Peace. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on the Sofully Casual podcast are those of Maddie Ice and not necessarily those of the Maddie Ice Media Network. The Sofully Casual podcast is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.